Welcome to the Weekly Squeak, your weekly geeky squeak with me, as always, Christian Schiller. This will be the penultimate show in this format, and I'm going to be changing a few things around a little bit. But I have a great interview for you. The, this, this week I'm speaking with Raymond Camden and Brian Rinaldi, who are currently writing the Jamstack book for Manning Publications. So also stay tuned because, as always, with every Manning um, interview, I have discount codes for you. So stick around and listen to how you can hear those. But first, my links of... So a couple of fun ones here. Um, first on Yanko Design by Gaurav Sood, his seven-screen laptop. <laughs> uh, it's Windows, I think, by the looks of it. Uh, I'm not actually entirely sure how to tell, but it's a UK-based company called Expanscape. This thing looks very heavy. Um, yeah. <laughs> They have the Aurora 7, a seven-screen laptop. Um, it's a prototype, and they fold out. If you look at the picture, if you're watching the video, or just go to Yanko Design and, and find this image, seven screens that fold around in a variety of ways. Uh, I wonder what the resolution of them are. Oh, all of them are resolution of 3840 by 2160. Um, one 17-inch main screen and three other 17-inch screens. That's missing a few screens. Uh, ah, three more auxiliary displays at 1920 by 1200, running on an Intel Core i9 and NVIDIA GeForce. That makes sense. 64 gig of graphics memory. Uh, a lot of uh, two batteries and weight, 17 kilograms. <laughs> not the most portable thing. Um, I'm not really sure what the use case they're going for here. Um, DevOps, SecOps, Cybersecurity, Day, Stock, Commodity Trader. I think the screenshots look a bit like maybe something to do with architecture. It's kind of hard to tell, actually. <laughs> Price tag, I'm not sure. Um, but it looks kind of crazy. I don't think I'd have any use for it. I think I could go to three screens. I currently have two. And even then, sometimes I find that a little um, extreme already. So uh, three, yeah, maybe seven. I don't think so. Anyway. Um, if that takes your fancy, go over to their website, pre-order. Uh, don't know how much it's going to cost, though. <laughs> Next, uh, an article on tedium.co by Ernie Smith. Uh, this is a profile interview with um, Vivaldi or on Vivaldi with John von Techner. Now, actually, I spoke with uh, John von Techner some time back at uh, an interview at um, Pioneers in, in uh, Vienna. You go back probably about three years ago, probably find the interview. And I actually spoke with him when I think Vivaldi was still relatively new. he just come from opera. And this is sort of linking in with um, Vivaldi just announced a lot of new features and they're kind of really going for the power user. It's Chromium-based like many other uh, browsers are these days. And um, they've now got vertical and horizontal tabs and you can put them on the bottom, on the top, on the right, on the left all sorts of strange things, group them together, kind of, yeah, I mean, I still uses a lot of performance. I kind of ended up, as you can possibly see, going back to a Safari because I sort of got sick of the the, the weight of Chromium. Um, and, you, yeah, you can see 
Uh, actually, there's, there's a screenshot on the, the blog post I'm showing, but it doesn't actually seem to... Oh, just the speed tabs, that's much like in, in Chrome. Um, oh, sorry, in Chrome, in Opera as well. Um, strange. Oh, here's a screenshot. Here we go. So, yeah, this is actually kind of... Um, see them adding all sorts of other features too. And I don't know if this is a, a business play. They have uh, an email client, a spot for taking notes. Um, I don't know if it synchronizes with anything. Uh, an RSS reader, a lot of syncing and digging through history in a calendar style format. And then a, a video game in there as well. Oh, here we go. Right down here. Here's a screenshot. Two levels of tabs. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm yet to wonder. I've, I've downloaded it again with the intention of trying it again. Um, I think I had kind of one of two requirements for a web browser. Either it was performant, which is Safari, or it was open source, which is when I was ending up using Brave most of the time. Opera is not... Sorry, Opera. <laughs> Vivaldi. <laughs> Freudian slip. Uh, Vivaldi is not open source, as far as I know. Whether it's performant is something I will check. It's still Chromium under the hood albeit with a, a lot less um, Google overhead. But uh, I will give it another go, actually. And, uh, yeah, I'm quite fascinated to see, is this uh, a fad? Is it kind of a novelty? Are oh, a lot of the features they have useful? Especially that email. It kind of looks like Gmail. Something looks like a cross between Gmail and Outlook. Um, but, yeah, I think they're focusing on the privacy aspect too. And if you go back and listen to the interview I had with John, it's actually one thing that caused him to move on from Opera as well was this new aspect um, on uh, Opera's ownership became interesting, shall we say. Anyway, go back and have a listen to that interview before I go too deep into that subject. And now here is um, something from Alex Biersen over on his Medium blog, Dependency Confusion, How I Hacked into Apple, Microsoft, and Dozens of Other Companies. This... Uh, goes into the topic of packages across RubyGems, NPM, Python uh, Package Manager, or Python Package Index, sorry, PyPy, um, and how it's very easy to, to look in uh, repositories at kind of private modules and then trick applications that are actually private applications, so closed-source applications, to install fake packages and then, well, do whoever knows what. Uh, and Alex has tried this with quite a few companies um, and quite a few code bases, and it's quite fascinating to hear how relatively easy it was. I think it's still um, still un- unsure when you read this of exactly uh, how much impact it had. Um, how much can you do through the through the the dependency? It somewhat depends on the programming language and, and what it's being used for and things like that, but. The fact that you can kind of get unexpected code into private code is is actually quite interesting, quite concerning, and, and quite a lack of security. And I'm sure there are kind of more secure package managers, private package manager instances that try to mitigate against this. I'm pretty sure I've interviewed some people like that um, back on the on the podcast in the past. Um, I can't remember the names of them now, but I'll try and dig it out for the for the show notes. But it's quite a fascinating dig into how he did it and and how relatively easy it was to do. And finally, uh, this is on the New Yorker from uh, Stephanie Burt, and this is called "Who Really Created the Marvel Universe." This is not necessarily a new story. I did actually read a history of um, Marvel as well, and this is 
more specifically about um, Stan Lee and how a lot of people know Stan Lee, but he kind of created this whole mythos around himself himself. Um, and a lot of people were responsible for creating the, what is now known as the Marvel Universe. And Marvel went in and out of uh, success throughout his lifetime and, and other people's lifetime. And he kind of became like this lovable uncle of the comic world in more recent decades. But he's actually quite an interesting character, quite um, quite controversial, quite um, not always pleasant to to his staff. And this was a time when comic book writers and, re- and illustrators were not held in the esteem they are held now. Well, some, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, there's many, many other much more in-depth content on this. But if you want like an overview of why Stanley may not be the man you think, then uh, have a look and um, and make your own minds up, I guess. And that was my links for the week. So now over to my interview with Raymond Camden and Brian Rinaldi talking about their forthcoming Jamstack book. Stay tuned as afterwards I will have some discount codes for you. I am Raymond Camden. I am a developer evangelist for Here Technologies. Next. Yeah, and I'm Brian Rinaldi, and I am a developer advocate at uh, Stepsin. Um, we're focused on like GraphQL APIs and stuff like that. And the interesting thing here is I am based in Berlin. We here have quite a large office and I yeah. contracted them to them for a little oh. while. So <laughs> they're one of those companies not many people have heard of or without yeah. or don't know they've heard of, but I actually have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but we're not here to actually talk about your day jobs, although I get a little bit of an impression they might cross over a little bit. Um, you are one of many, uh, many people to have been on the show, A, talking about Jamstack, <laughs> and B, uh, talking about releasing a book with Manning uh, and we're actually combining the two. So, yeah, what are you two currently working on? Uh, so, yeah, we're working on a the Jamstack book, right? <laughs> and that's the title, the working title right now, the Jamstack book uh, for <laughs> Manning. So both Ray and I have uh, written in the past before on, on this topic. Um, back when we released our last book was with O'Reilly, um, it was it there was the term jamstack was new let's say mm-hmm. um so it was just about static sites and static site generators um so this one we we now get to to call it the jamstack book <laughs> <laughs> i mean are you are you calling it the definitive or i'm sure other people is it definitive uh, <laughs> <laughs> no i I'd say it's, my opinion huh go ahead ray I was going to say, it's the only book that we are writing together. So it's the book that Brian and Ray are writing. <laughs> yeah. And and no, I, I don't know that there is a definitive it. Jamstack book, right? <laughs> is, it even, okay. is it even possible to write a definitive Jamstack book? Jamstack is, is so non-prescriptive. Well, it's like, yeah. yeah right. And so. I mean, it's, it's fast. Actually, let, let's come back to that point in a second. I would like okay. to go back a step first and say, what made you want to write it? Um I'm imagining in um, your job, Brian, Jamstack is probably more of a thing with here being a more established company. I'm not 100% sure. Um, do you both do Jamstack practices, whatever that may mean? However you interpret that in your jobs or is it just a, more of a side interest? Um, 
Yeah, you go away first. Uh, so for me, like we have no connection at all. Uh, most of my work for here is you know APIs, uh, JavaScript mapping libraries, stuff like that. Um, you know, I've I've used our technology in the Jamstack as a way of writing like blog content and stuff like that. Uh, but like officially, I don't do anything with the Jamstack at work. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean I do. Um, uh, GraphQL plays a, a you know a growing role in. Jamstack applications, so we are focused on trying to find solutions for the Jamstack community. Um, so, so yes, it's work related, um, but I actually have an easy answer to your question of why I wrote the book, mm-hmm. and it was Ray forced me into it. Literally, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I think I said after you know I enjoyed writing the last one with Ray, but I think this time I must have said no like five, <laughs> ten times at least before <laughs> I finally was like oh, okay. <laughs> Was that also a Jamstack book or was it a different topic? No, it was the, the one we mentioned earlier for O'Reilly, but it was static sites. There was no Jamstack. Oh, static sites, okay. Yeah. And how long ago was that? Just to get a kind of feel of maybe where you were at in the development of the static site Jamstack kind of story. That was four years ago now, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm checking the yeah. link now. Yeah, I think it was 20... 17 or 26, 2016, maybe 2017, 2017. Yeah. Much, most of it was, it came out early 2017, if I recall. So most of it was written in 2016, but Ray and I have, have, I mean, I both been doing this, you know, Jamstack work before Mm -hmm. it was Jamstack. I mean, I started uh, presenting and writing about this, I think about, Eight years ago, maybe yeah. more, um, using Jekyll. Um, yeah, and, I, I still use Jekyll for my personal, oh, yeah. right? mostly because I have so much custom stuff behind the scenes that pulls in um, content from various sources. Mm. The concept, the con, the contemplating rewriting all that. <laughs> is, yeah. is, and you know, the nice thing about static site generators is a lot of that tooling, it doesn't actually matter how good it is because it's all just HTML at the end of it. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, and there's still update, you know, it's not like Jekyll has gone off into the dustbin. No. It's still getting releases. Um, I know back in, in 2019, late 2019, they, they did a, was it 4.0 release? I think it was that, that dramatically cut yeah. down on the build time. So yeah. and I, that was actually one of the biggest problems with Jekyll up to that point. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. other than for those of us who are not Ruby developers, having to work in the Ruby ecosystem, yeah. and, you know, and, and fight with gems and stuff like that. But that's basically the main, to be honest with you, I, I don't mind Ruby, but most of my pains with it are very similar to JavaScript. It's just dependency hell. Right? Yeah. yeah. And the fact that Ruby has lost its, um, shine a little so you start to find that some gems haven't been updated for a while and things like that it's yeah one of the main issues with using jekyll these days i have a lot of uh custom forks of, uh, of jekyll gems <laughs> yeah so actually one thing we haven't done and i i made i have covered jamstack at least three or four times on the show but there's always new people kind of coming to things maybe we should actually describe what it is. Um, we've talked a little <laughs> bit about static site generators and maybe that yeah. might be more familiar. It might not. Or people might not know, really know why the two are associated together. But what, yeah, what, what do you think of as Jamstack? What does it mean to you, you two? We differ a little bit on this. Oh, cool. Well, let's, let's, <laughs> let's argue let's, about let's, it. 
Let's start the argument. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for me, I think it's it, in some regards, it's it's a marketing term, just like the mm-hmm. cloud was, but it's, it's also <laughs> at the same time a great shortcut, right? So that saying the cloud allows you to shortcut saying a lot of other things, and the detractors will say, "Oh, it's just somebody else's computer." Like I, I, I don't care. You know, right. it, if if saving cloud means I could spend less time explaining something to you, so. To me, you know, Jamstack is static site generators. It's the ecosystem of, of having a website or even an application that is not using an app server. It's not dynamic, but it has dynamic aspects to it, um, which I think for me, like back when I was presenting on static sites, it was always, yes, it's static. Yes, but, you know, X, Y, and yep. Z. Yep. And I feel of Jamstack, mm-hmm. if we, we begin with this idea that, yes, it includes dynamic elements, you don't have to do the yes and again and again and again. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, I would actually agree with everything Ray said, so I'm not going to disagree <laughs> with him here. Um, this is not so what I would say <laughs> we came up, Jamstack is a marketing term, it, but it came out, I mean, I've, I've argued multiple times that it's, it's important because static sites was misrepresenting what we were buildings. And, and so you people came into it with the preconception that you couldn't build anything dynamic because, you know, it, it, this is just tools for static sites. Um, when in fact the assets were static, but the sites could be dynamic. Um, and, you know, and I think static site generators still play a big role in this, even though it's still called static site generators. They, I mean, they, they can do a lot more than that. I mean, even to the point now, I think 2020 heading into 2021, we end up with a bit of a debate about, what what is Jamstack? Does Jamstack now include some server side rendering? Because, well, Netlify supports it, Versal supports it. You can do a mixed hybrid, static, and and server side rendered apps in Next.js. And what percentage of 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 SSR makes you not not Jamstack versus Jamstack? I mean, it's it's a bit complicated. You know, I wrote a post about this just the other day, and what I said is my feeling about Jamstack today. How I define it is static first, but not static only. Hmm. So you have it's primarily static, but if you sprinkle in some SSR using some of these technologies here and there where necessary, that that's still Jamstack. And do you uh, the last Jamstack interview I had? I had uh, Matt. Uh, I always call him Matt Billman, but he's actually got two eyes, so I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce his surname from Netlify yeah. uh, last year sometime. And he actually, for the first time in the number of times I've mentioned the word Jamstack, explained there was something behind the J-A and the M. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do yeah. you subscribe to those terms or do you, do you rather keep it more abstract? Well, I mean, even they've they've kind of moved away from that, right? Um, they specifically took away the capitalization of the J A N to de-emphasize that. And I've been a I was a I was initially kind of against it, and then I came around to the idea um, because I think first of all, those acronyms actually don't help us anymore. Um, I think because then you get into like, well, my, my app uses JavaScript APIs and markup. I mean, HTML's markup anyway. Right. So like mm-hmm. it's it, it, what's that? Everything's Jamstack because everything uses in the end is JavaScript APIs and yep. the markup. Right. Yep. So um, it gets a little too fuzzy and, 
And my personal feeling is that Jay being first was became problematic. We gave, became a little bit overly synonymous with with JavaScript frameworks, yeah. um, which was not the intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I must admit, in my mind, I think what it always meant, which I, I come from a very traditional CMS background and then kind of came down this path through first being forced to use Markdown for a writing job and thinking, what is this? And then within about three months, loving it <laughs> and yeah. realizing that the CMSs I've been battling against, the monolithic CMSs I've been battling against for years, there was now alternatives and really, really loving it and haven't really looked back. Yeah. I think uh, I also uh, did work for uh, Contentful, also based here in Berlin for a little while, mm-hmm. another kind mm-hmm. of fairly large player in, in yeah. this space. So to me, in some respects, I've always felt like Jamstack was a bit more like, um, I took it a bit more abstract. It's always to me felt a bit more like um, kind of, I don't want to use more buzzwords, but it's all I can think of kind of like microservices of content delivery, you know, not having one monolithic application that does everything, but bits Mm -hmm. and pieces that can be assembled together in a reasonably common way. Uh, And that tends to be a lot of JavaScript and things like that, of course. And, but the content can come from somewhere. Um, The dynamic elements can come from somewhere else and et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of what it always meant to me in some respects. And my cobbled together Jekyll website is almost a testament to this because I pull in things from RSS feeds. I pull in things from page scrapes and all sorts of stuff. So, <laughs> so, so uh, all legally, it's all my own content. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess the question around the book is um, why now? Why did you decide to do it now or when you decided to write the book, I guess? Books take a little while. What decided... What made you decide that then was a good time to start this topic? Well, so I think for me, um, it really feels like we're hitting a level of maturity. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a great set of services out there. There's multiple hosting providers that support the Jamstack. Even just the fact that the name has kind of come out and, and solidified or made a bit more clear what we're doing. Um, it, it, it feels like the right time to have this kind of book. Um, it's probably the kind of thing that people are hearing about. Just like when cloud first came out, all you heard was cloud. Mm-hmm. These buzzwords come out, and a year or two later, developers really start getting into it. It, it, it feels like the perfect time to write this book. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I agree with that. I think it, you know, obviously a lot had changed in the three and a half or whatever four years since we wrote the other book. Um, you know, dramatically to the point where, you know, I people would ask me, oh, I see you wrote this book. Should I get it? And I'm like, nope, 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 probably not. It's, you know, I mean, some of the, the material there will still work for the, lar- for the most part, <laughs> but, you know, it's not really what I would start with today, um, you know. And so we changed so much to where, it, you know, there was there were so many different things to add in terms of what a Jamstack site could do because I even remember I think I started that book being like oh what what sites does a, is a Jamstack you know or static site not capable of building and it was like oh you know I probably wouldn't do e-commerce and I wouldn't do something with a lot of dynamic and all of that's changed I would actually mm-hmm. totally do e-commerce with with static you know 
stack site generators and Jamstack technologies. And I would, I mean, I would do all kinds of, of um, user, even cert, certain degrees, user generated content and, and all kinds of things like that. There's, I, I, you know, I think one of the questions Manning asked was like, oh, you know, you should put in there, hey, you know, what, what things is it not good for? And that was the hardest part to write because it's like, well, I mean, I could argue it's not good for that, but you could do it and it really wouldn't be that bad. So, um, you know, I think a lot has changed to where it's now it's now a solution that you could really, it, it's hard, it'd be hard pressed to think of what I couldn't build with it. And Actually, now I start to look through some of the chapters you have up on the, uh, the Manning yeah. um, Early Access Program right now. And it's interesting because uh, my next question was going to be in this space where there's lots of uh, – actually, you're right, uh, Raymond, in that it is maturing. There's been less of a rush of things coming out. They're starting to solidify. There's actual companies coming behind some of the projects, which mm-hmm. is good and bad, depending on your perspective. Um, but there's a lot of options to choose from, especially when you look at the static site side. I mean, there's loads. Um, but interestingly, when I look at what you've got here, so chapter two, you go with Eleventy as an option, which is relatively new. Um, I have been recommended I look at it from a friend, but I haven't yet. And then for chapter three, you go with Jekyll, relatively old oh. in that kind of space. <laughs> so you know, where where did you how where and where how how did you decide which tools which frameworks you would highlight and which ones you wouldn't or yeah. just mention. <laughs> So there's a couple of thoughts there. Um, I know every time I've, I've, I've spoken about the Jamstack, um, I've done my best to make it clear that there's a lot of options in terms of what static site generator you use. Mm. And just like JavaScript frameworks, I think it's very natural that you'll hate some and love some. And it's extremely personal. It's what clicks with you. So there are some generators out there that I won't name that I really don't like. And there's nothing wrong with them. They don't work well for me. I have I have so, my own list. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> so I know which one he's talking about too. <laughs> and uh, it happens to be the one I love and use the most. <laughs> but you're wrong. Um, so so I think we 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 wanted very very hard uh, very strongly to ensure we presented multiple options, mm-hmm. and we say in the book, yeah, I think maybe even point blank, you may not like Eleven, you may not like Jekyll. That's why you have the other options and. That's okay. You don't, if you hate Jekyll, it, it doesn't mean you hate the Jamstack. You have 390 other options out there to choose from. Yeah. Um, yes, exactly. I think that's that's actually one of the things that differentiates this from other books I've seen um, on this topic is that we decided to cover as many as we could. Um, we can't obviously can't cover everything, but we kind of picked, I think, Ones that represent sort of categories of, of static site generators, Eleventy being kind of a traditional static site generator in that it, it really just generates static files. It's no without the front end framework piece, but it is written in JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Jekyll being the more another, you know, really the traditional, it's kind of the one that's been around the longest um, of the popular ones that are still in use. And Hugo, um, you know, both being traditional, but then uh, you know, the chapter I'm writing right now is on Next.js, right? So, yep. Um, yep. so, you know, we're trying to cover, so you so you get, you're aware of your options and you can try different things out um, and even consider, you know, I think Ray's right, a personal preference is a big aspect of it, but there are cases where I, you might say like, okay, this one is actually a better solution mm-hmm. for 
the, what I'm trying to build. Like, you know, the, one of the chapters on documentation, exactly. and you, I chose yeah. Hugo because yeah. I find like for documentation, Hugo is actually a great solution. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. And I wouldn't, I personally, and I have, I have been at jobs where I have had to, I wouldn't build documentation sites with Jekyll and I probably wouldn't mm-hmm. build a blog with Hugo. I could, but they don't, they don't. Yeah. They, to me, they feel like they're optimized for certain use cases. And those use cases are somewhat arbitrary, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. the community that's grown around them more than anything in some respects. Yeah. You can build anything with any, any of these tools. You can build any of this, the, you know, you could yeah. swap them out in any chapter and say, I'm going to build the, you know, this instead of with 11, I'm going to build it with next JS yeah. or Gatsby or whatever. Um, you know, um, it's just it, part of its personal preference, but then there are there are some things to consider that might make it a better use case for you know like Jekyll's Jekyll for instance. I mean, is is super easy for whipping up a blog because that's you know, originally that's kind of where it started. It was yep. really kind of a blog use case, and it makes it really really easy for a beginner to just whip out a blog. Um, does that make it the only solution for a blog? I absolutely not. Any of these tools can build a blog, but it does make it an easy choice. Um, you know, for that, for that use case. And um, moving forward down some of the chapters that you've, well, you probably are writing, but they're not yeah. uh, on the, on the meep yet. Um, so we've got here e-commerce with Gatsby. Um, yeah, actually it's going to be next JS. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> they haven't updated that. It will be next JS. Um, okay. I, I don't know too much about next JS. I have, struggled with Gatsby several times and not got very far. <laughs> I always want, I feel like I should yeah. like it, but I just cannot get my head around it. It doesn't, I don't, I'm not a React person. That's probably the, I am hmm. still learning React. Anyway, um, yeah. mostly I wanted to get into what you have here currently in chapter five and seven, the e-commerce and the dynamic elements. Um, mm-hmm. We have touched on this quite a bit that Jam. Uh, doesn't have to mean static, even though we've talked a lot about static site generators. So how, how do people generally add to these dynamic elements? Is it, um, is, are there preferred ways or is it mostly in some respects recreating some of what we used to do with good old fashioned CMSs and Ajax, <laughs> if you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'd say, you know, there's, there's kind of two layers to that answer because in, and in fact, the, that's part of even why I hated the JAM acronym because it focused only on the one side of it, which is the client side, right? Um, there's with the JAMstack application, I can either add dynamic elements at build time, which I can even trigger a build, right? Like, so I, if something, if somebody were, I could build a system and I've seen systems like this that somebody adds a comment and that triggers a build and the build pushes out the comment and things like that. I'm, you know, um, so the, the dynamic, APIs can be called a build time to call in mm-hmm. in content, but then there's the client side where you know something that that can't be done at build time that you know you would want to pull in would be called on on the client via JavaScript. Um, you know, and so like e-commerce has a combination of that, right? Like so, the products would be called, would be your product listings and all that stuff would generally be done at build time, right? Um, but things like the shopping cart. I obviously cannot do that at build time, right? Um, so, so those things would happen all on the client. Yeah. I'm building a site right now that sites e-commerce, and the the products are static. But when you get onto a product page, uh, we show the number of units sold, and that yeah. is going to be Ajax. So it's a good combination of 
build time and runtime uh, data. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And the one chapter here, I have my suspicions about what it's going to be about, but it looks somewhat mysterious. Adding a CMS, isn't that <laughs> kind of? Uh... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of become. That's one of the interesting things about Jamstack to the point that that I add a CMS in, all the way back in the, the documentation chapter because it's kind of become a standard. It, now, building a Jamstack site without a CMS is. It's often you know, using Netlify personal. CMS in this case. But it looks Netlify like, yeah. CMS in that case, yeah. Which I have actually um, used very successfully with mixed teams of sort of engineers who want to work in pull requests and sure. other people who want to use a WYSIWYG editor. It, it generally works fairly yeah. well. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, I'm not sure if I call it a CMS, but yeah, 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 I know that's what they call it. So yeah, (laughs) I mean, there's two. There's really two types of headless CMS, and one being the the Git based headless CMS, which Netlify CMS is is one. Forestry is another. um, You know, where where you're actually editing physical files, Um, and then the other being the API based CMS, like like a Contentful, uh, Sanity. Uh, agility are examples of those where where you're calling an API, um, and and both work um, depending on what your needs are. I think you know what what you found is probably in some cases the Git based CMS is is the easiest to implement, but it also has a number of limitations like content reuse and things like that are kind of limited, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so your API based CMS offers that, um, you know, and and I'd say. You know, there's even tools now like like Stackbase, a company I used to work for, where I could just click, 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 spit out a, you know, a site with Next or Hugo or Jekyll or whatever, and it's already connected to a, a headless CMS, and it's kind of become like the the standard. Um, if I'm going to build a site, I need I need to use the CMS partly, I think, and I'll, I'll see if Ray agrees with me. One of the big criticisms of Jamstack was, uh, but now I have to teach everybody Markdown and, mm. you know, nobody yep. knows, like I said, these editors don't like to edit in Markdown and mm. I'm not going to go to my marketing team and tell them to edit as it JSON files or YAML files. Um, so, so that over, you know, that overcomes that problem. Um, and what we're seeing now is even a next step in that, which is um, but the earlier, you know, the, the original kind of, implementations this tended to do this at build time so that you, you, let's say I make a change, I'm a marketer, I make my little change and then I got to wait for that build to run and then I see it. Right. Um, and, and that worked, but it wasn't ideal because, you know, it's just, there was always a lag and a delay and sometimes build times could take a little while. So, um, you know, now with a lot of these headless CMSs, they have preview modes built in so that I can, I can make a change immediately, see what it's going to look like on the site. And then when I'm ready, publish it and boom, it goes up. Yep. Um, so, you know, we're, we're getting to, uh, a point where, where, you know, a, I'd say a WordPress like, um, editing environment in a way, you know, I wouldn't say we're quite where WordPress is and especially in terms of ease of, of use, but, um, but we're getting there. Yeah. I must admit I haven't used WordPress in so long. I'm not entirely sure what I know both WordPress and Drupal, which is what I used to mostly work in have went down the kind of headless path themselves. In fact, they called it, Mm -hmm. I think Drupal was one of the first, um, first uh, projects to, to coin that term even. I seem to remember them talking about it way back. That could in, be. 
sort of 2009, 10, um, when everyone was, uh, mostly because we got sick of fighting against the theming layer in Drupal. But anyway, that's a <laughs> whole other yeah, whole tangent. <laughs> um, so what's it like uh, working on a book together? You've obviously done it before, but how do you decide to divide up the work? Is it chapter by chapter or do you both kind of work on chapters together or is it a bit of both? What's your process been? It's chapter by chapter. And okay. we, we know the areas that, that we care more about. Mm-hmm. So it was, there was no fighting involved, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, it we we did that last time, and the interesting thing is we each have kind of unique. You could tell which who wrote what cha- which chapter. <laughs> so we even decided to put the names by them because we have different writing styles, but yeah. they work well together. Um, you know, so yeah, no no fighting. I just go through Ray's and tell him he's wrong about so many things, and then that's it. <laughs> and it's actually interesting you say that because one thing I do notice with the book, as opposed to some other books. Um, uh, from Manning, including some of the ones I've written myself, is it It doesn't look like, at least for the first few chapters, you don't go through a kind of uh, a, a building narrative. It's The first few chapters at least look like you have different narratives. Um, when you get to the last few ones, are you building on previous examples or are you generally always starting from kind of fresh examples that have become a bit more complex? But And that's probably helped you collaborate, I guess, because you haven't had to kind of keep that narrative going between the chapters. Yeah. yeah. So I, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Ray. You go. I, so, I, so I definitely think what we're writing was a bit different from Manning. Uh, <laughs> it's been we, a struggle. On that. Uh, but, like, I, I really believe our approach makes sense. You know, like, like Ryan was saying, so many books out there focus on one particular generator or one particular service. And we really wanted to expose the readers to to more than that, mm-hmm. to to be more of an introduction. And you know, we won't go as deep, but I feel like like we get to cover the entire spectrum. So mm-hmm. you know, from from the options to to building to hosting to to adding dynamic crap back in, et cetera. Uh, you know, I I feel like a reader can go from this and say, yeah, hey, you know what? So I loved everything. I hated Jekyll. I preferred Eleventy. <laughs> I, I have the tools to go forward. Uh, I want to do e-commerce. You know, Brian wasn't using Eleventy, but together I can I can go with I, I, I can go forward with that. Yeah, um, I was uh, to add to that. I would say, you know, it's been a, str- a little bit of a struggle. We've we've pushed back on Manning a, a few times to be like, because because <laughs> this doesn't fit their normal, and they've had to kind of oh, agree to like let some rules go that you know, <laughs> it's like for instance we have installation instructions for each thing basically the beginning uh, of each chapter and you know because it, it just kind of has has to be that way to make it work but i think you know to raise point the, the 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 biggest draw like struggle with jamstack but also its biggest like i think strength is is the diversity of tools that are there uh, tools and services, right? So, like, it's not prescriptive. Uh, it doesn't tell you how to write something, so you can kind of choose what works for you. Um, that is, is to me, one of my favorite things about it, but it's also, for somebody coming in, the biggest struggle is like, okay, but tell me where to start, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're trying to do is we're giving you not one place to start. We're not saying just start with this. We're giving you 
a handful of places to start so that you can make a choice as to what works for yep. you. And what's your rough uh, timelines? Um, when do you when do you anticipate a rough release date? Tomorrow, right? Tomorrow wasn't it? Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I know we have a schedule, uh, but I love, yeah. like for me, I tend to focus on what's due next, not yeah. what's due after that. So it's um, not coming it's up a, tomorrow. A, yeah, you know, the, it's twenty twenty tomorrow. In that, yeah. tomorrow could be one month, two months, three months, twelve months. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. A, I think it's. It's well, we have chapters due this week. So the next yeah. batch of chapters for the meat folks should be coming out. I don't know how long it takes them to kind of run it through that process, but I'd say in a few weeks. Right. Um, and then, then we're on to the final batch of chapters. So yeah. I think, you know, a couple months, um, but like the, it, the meep is available and we'll, we're going to keep churning out chapters in that. Um, so, um, and you know, Ray and I are such high quality writers that, you know, it doesn't need editing before you see it. So it's cool. You, you know. yeah. <laughs> all right. Just me. Just me. I'm just, all right. <laughs> now, the final question I usually ask when I interview kind of more product uh, people is around um, what's sort of next on the, on the radar, what's next on the, the roadmap, et cetera. For you, I'm going to ask both of you, in this relatively fast moving space, what's something that's kind of new or in development right now in the Jamstack ecosystem that kind of excites you the most? Let's start with you, Raymond. So uh, Netlify has done a good job of mm-hmm. creating good add-ons that really yeah. help on, on Jamstack. Just stuff like you know form processing built in, so I don't have to use a third party service. So uh, analytics built in, so I could you know rip out an external JavaScript library. So they're not alone in this space. So I think that's where you'll see more competition. Vercel definitely, uh, you know, uh, they have their benefits as well. So I, I'm, I'm hoping to see more competition. Like I, I always recommend. Netlify, like to me, that's the yep. gold standard. Yep. Yep. I look forward to when they have more competitors, not against <laughs> them, because I think competition is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they they have. I mean, like the, Microsoft had their static web apps yeah. only just recently. Cloudflare jumped in what like a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago with their yeah. service. Um, you know, Vercel Ver, got a ton of money. Render.com, I think, did too. So, I mean, these these are or render.io, I don't remember if it's .com or .io, but anyway. Um, so, yeah, the competition is definitely heating up there. But I would say, you know, the thing, I brought this up earlier, the thing that interests me the most is this kind of redefining of what is Jamstack and and is it purely static or can we kind of make room for these hybrid solutions? Because I think, you know, Next.js took that leap first um, and Vercel actually is kind of trying to, to uh, lose the term Jamstack, so yep, you know yep, um, yep. they they don't like it, and I get why. Um, it's you know it was Netlify's term, and <laughs> it's kind of tightly coupled with Netlify in many ways. Um, but um, but I do think you're going to see more of that kind of solution. I think you know particularly from perhaps like the Gatsby's and Nuxt and and so on, they will start to kind of. Um, mix in. I mean, Nuxt is has SSR and uh, static capabilities. I believe right now, though, you can either choose one or the other. It's not like this mix and mash of both. Um, 
but I think it'd be easy, probably potentially easy for them to start adding that kind of solution in and some of the others as well. Um, you know, and I hope even we start to see tools like Hugo and Jekyll and others that are, are more the traditional static site generators work in more tools for building, adding that data in like the things you were talking about, your plugins, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of automatically, because I think that's where the strength of those JavaScript tools has been right now. Um, but I think these are still great tools, um, and offer some benefits, but those pieces have been a struggle. Um, so, so I'm hoping that, that they do that. I'm going to sneak in one more question because I always sure. find this when we get into the kind of exciting new stuff with this Jamstack ecosystem is, do you ever, are you ever concerned that as we add more and more complexity, start to kind of just fully circle back onto the big monolithic, overly complex CMSs that we had 10, 15 years ago? Or am I yeah. just... Uh... <laughs> you know, was it, I think uh, um, Zach Leatherman, who made um, Eleventy, uh, wrote something about this whole SSR thing, like, you know, congratulations, you've just recreated PHP. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> like that. It was uh, some snarky tweet like that, but it was it was definitely has a, a bite of truth to it. Um, yes, but I think that's that's part of the maturity though of the ecosystem. Is up till now, it's been on a mix and mash of independent services. I think the some of the real innovation you're going to see, and you're already starting to see, are people trying to bring these pieces together. Um, like I mentioned, the company I worked for earlier, Stackbit, kind of bringing the the static site generator and Netlify and all the and those pieces and making it so you just kind of click some stuff and this stuff configured for you. Um, even the company I work for, we're trying to kind of consolidate some of the API backends so that you don't end up having to manage, you know, all these all these different services and learn all these different APIs, you just kind of connect to one and you can connect to everything that you need in terms of your backend data. I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of innovation around that to, to kind of reduce that complexity um, and bring those pieces together. Yeah. Ray, do you agree? Yeah. I mean, I I think the issue of complexity uh, is a topic in the web development community in general. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I've, I've been in this for 30 years. Uh, back in the old days, it was really simple, it was wild, and you could go to um, MySpace and edit HTML. I, on, I, I kind of miss that, you know, how kind of wild impression knew it was. I but frames. I'm so much more productive <laughs> now. You know, I, yeah. I can do it yeah. so much more now, so much easier uh i would much rather and cheaper yeah Yeah. so yeah that is true that is true yeah it's you know our our industry has put under uh adult business clothes versus (laughs) casual i guess well not us but yeah not (laughs) not other people (laughs) other people I do remember the days when I got when I used to do PHP and Drupal when I got excited with DigitalOcean and their five dollar droplets because suddenly everything was crazy cheap. Um, yeah. And now I don't really pay anything for hosting. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy. We don't. I, I remember when we used to pay. And Ray and I started in Cold Fusion, and we used to pay what thousand dollars for our, for the server. Like my, my first ever jobs were in in a Cold Fusion um, development thing back in ninety nine. Oh so <laughs> yeah. 
Oh dear. All right. Anyway, before we get into old men reminiscing about uh, early uh, dynamic languages, let's, let's call it a day there. Um, now, normally the good people at Manning give me some codes to give out, but I'm guessing the time of the year means we've missed each other. So I'll add those um, in, in post-interview <laughs> uh, when I put this together. Um, but for now, if you go to Manning Publications and just search for Jamstack, I'm pretty sure it's the only book that will come up. I'm not sure, but you should find it anyway. Um, and yeah, it, the Meep only began in November, so um, yeah. but there's already a good few chapters there. I think probably a good introduction if you're new to the space anyway. And um, yeah, thanks very much for your time, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. This was a lot of fun. That was my interview with Raymond and Brian about their forthcoming Jamstack book from Manning Publications. So I promised you discount codes. All right. Well, I'm going to make you work for this a little. Um, I have a um, a long-running discount code that you can get 40% off um, any book. Um, and as you heard, the book is in uh, early access, so you can actually access some of it already. So pod. Okay, P-O-D-C-H-I-N-C-19 for 40% discount on any book. And I'll put a link in the show notes as well where you can just use that to, to go through. And I have, I have five free codes for a copy of the Jamstack book when it's available, I guess. that, And I have a link for that too. And I am going to ask you to do a little bit of work here. Go over to um, anywhere you heard the podcast, whatever network you use, whatever tool you use, wherever you watch the video, whatever platform. Leave a comment saying, hi, thanks for the great show, Chris. And I will give you a code to use. First five to do that. I'll look at the timestamps and figure it out on the networks. So 40% off with P-O-D-C-H-I-N-C-19. And for a free book, Leave a comment wherever you listen to or watch the show, and I'll get that over to you. Okay, I have a few things to update you on. Um, I did my latest hands-on video just this Monday with Tilt, a kind of productivity tool for Kubernetes. And the Friday before that, I did the solo adventurer, uh, saving the world. Uh, I was playing, well, I wasn't saving the world, I was sort of saving a world, uh, playing the first part of Alone Against the... Um, Alone Against the Darkness. Um, this is a fairly long solo Call of Cthulhu adventure, which is a horror-themed role-playing game. I will probably only play up to three episodes, and then we'll see how we go after that. Um, what else? I definitely have some new things coming very soon. I know I've been promising this for some time. This somewhat alludes to me saying that the format of this show is also going to change a little. Uh, I've got a few other things all just about falling into place and some things will be changing soon. But as always, in the meantime, head over to christianchiller.com for um, details on on those and um, find my other videos, my other audio and all the other various writing I also do. So that was another weekly squeak for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please rate, review, share wherever you are consuming the the show or the newsletter or whatever it may be and until next week on the very last weekly squeak in this format thank you very much for joining me